Welcome to Disambiguation. I'm your host, Michael Fawcett. Each week, we interview experts in AI, generative AI, and business automation to help business leaders understand how to use these tools for the biggest business impact. In our show today, we look at moving beyond generative AI and a focus on productivity to focusing on profit optimization. I'm joined today by Dr. Michael Wu, Chief AI Strategist at Pros. Welcome, Michael. Hey, Michael. Very nice to be here. Great, great. Great that you could join me today. I know it's uh, nice and early for you. Um, so could could you um, could you tell me a little bit about yourself and just tell us, you know, about your role at Pros and, and um, you know, how you got there, I guess. Well, that's a long story. Depending <laughs> <laughs> on how far you want to go. Uh, yeah, I am a, well, I'm, I'm the chief AI strategist at Pros right now. And um, basically, before that, I was, you know, the chief scientist at, at a, a social media company called Lithium. Mm-hmm. And before that, uh, I was, you know, actually doing uh, my PhD in modeling the human brain, actually using machine learning and um, all the technique that we use to train our AI models. Uh, nowadays, we use it to, to train models to mimic how the human visual cortex work. And, and that's, a, in essence, my, my PhD thesis. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think I don't want to go into this too much. I'm not big with intro. Let's, <laughs> no, that's great. That's, that's very good. I think, uh, you know, I've, I've known you for a long time uh, from lithium and, uh, and forward. So uh, it's, uh, it's, it's a good, it'll be a fun conversation. And, you know, so much has happened with AI over the last year that it's an exciting topic. And I know a lot of business people really are interested in it. So I, I thought maybe we could just start uh, by giving us more of a general overview of AI and kind of how it's evolved over the last few years. I mean, I know the history goes back 50 years, so we probably don't need to go back to the 50s, but but just to, just to give people the right context. Yeah, I think, the, you know, obviously, Last year, you know, the generative AI is blowing up. You know, this is with the advent of ChatGPT. You know, I think this is more of a public awareness phenomenon. Mm-hmm. You know, because for me, uh, you know, these large language model, you know, la- actually language model, you know, it's actually been researched for a long time. I would say a good, you know, twenty plus year, and you know. Um, the large language models simply they just scale it up, you know. It is these transformer uh, architecture. They basically just uh, scale up and, and they actually train it with a lot more data. And obviously, they need a lot more data because you know when you scale it up, you have a lot more free parameters in the model, and you, to fix the value of those free parameter, uh, you know, you need to train it with a lot more data. So, so that's uh, obviously one big. Um, Kind of, a, I would say, difference, you know, like, but mm-hmm. I think that's, that's, like I said, this is more of a, a difference for people who are not doing research in this area. But mm-hmm. uh, for, for me, I feel like this is more of a, a progression, you know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I mean, it definitely has democratized the knowledge of and the use of, but just by the fact that it is available and people are using it and they get a better feel for kind of what's happening. But I know, you know, obviously this is just, a, as you say, an evolutionary point. I mean, there's a lot of excitement around generative AI, though. And and um, so I, I'm just curious, like, how do you see generative AI and how is it uh, able to provide value to businesses? How do you see your your clients using it? 
Yeah, I think the biggest value driver for generative AI is productivity, obviously. I think that, you know, you could do things that you normally do, whether it's writing or, you know, doing some graphic design or, or something, right? Um, instead of actually doing it and producing the content, right? Producing the, the email, the blog, and, and, and the, 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 the kind of a design draft, um, you could just describe it and then it will actually generate, you know, if, uh, you know, these for you, for, for you, right? And if you don't like it, you could generate 10 or, or 50 or 100 and, and you could choose, you know, um, choose from, from that and until, until you're happy with it. So obviously that saved tremendous amount of time, right? And yep. that's where um, the value comes in you know, for, for business mm -hmm. is that you, you can do this uh, same type of work, the same thing, essentially with uh, with these generative AI a lot faster and and right. you know and, and you can actually iterate through a lot more um, ideas you know because it previously you have to kind of you know if you if I'm thinking of a, a design or, or something uh, then I have to create a design and that will take time right so I can't test like hundreds and thousands of, right and now literally you can actually uh, go through like thousands or you know or, or, you know uh, Designed and actually pick the one that that that's most effective that works the best. So, so mm. that's uh, where a lot of value come from. Yeah, it makes sense. I, I mean, for me, um, you know, as a writer and, and a researcher, one of the things that's always been hard is the blank page. You know, where like you get there and you know you want to talk about something, but just having a place to start that's a huge, huge accelerator for me, just being able to ask the questions, get something that's kind of basic, and then take that and go, you know, and run with it. So I, I, I do feel like it has, you know, increased productivity for me quite a bit. And yeah. I hear that from other people. So yeah, totally. Yeah. And that's, I, I wanted to maybe uh, go back to a point that you mentioned earlier that, you know, how this democratizes this AI for everyone. Mm -hmm. right? I, I think the, I mean, have you ever wondered, like, why that is the case? You know, why generative AI is able to do this? Whereas, you know, some of the more traditional AI, um, you know, uh, are, are not so, right? And, and the reason is because these type of generative AI, they are what we call pre-trained models. The model is already trained. You know, they're trained with, like, you know, uh, the entire corpus of, you know, text that a human ever uh, written that's digitized, right? right. So uh, the entire web, the, the entire Wikipedia. So, so they're already trained, right? So you don't need to kind of um, train again, right? Or, or for you may need to train it again to make the, make it specialize in your in your domain area. Right. But then you know that's usually even if even without uh, retraining it, you could actually uh, perform pretty well. You know, you can actually because it, mm -hmm. it has you know. It has it's trained with the entire Wikipedia, so it has, I would say, some you know pretty generic knowledge about a lot of stuff. You know, so every no matter what field you're in, it actually have a lot of um, you know quite a substantial body of knowledge actually mm -hmm. encoded in the parameter already, right? So whereas the traditional type of AI, you know, which I'm going to refer to them as analytic AI, analytic AI, because they are um, typically involve the analysis of some data, right? And 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 that requires training, right? So you so there's a lot of things that need to be done, right? You need to get the data, you need to train the model, you need to make sure the model don't overfit. You have to you do a lot of things that, that the data scientists need to do to right. ensure the model actually works before you can even actually use it, 
right? So yeah. I think that's why this generative AI is kind of a, such a, I would say, you know, uh, I would say so easy for people to to just mm. you know grab and, and test it because they're already trained, they're pre-trained, right? So GPT, yeah. you know, ChatGPT, uh, you know, the GPT, the, the P in there means pre-trained, right? Generative pre-trained transformer, right? So it's mm -hmm. actually a pre-trained model. And likewise for many of these image generating um, mm. generative AI as well, you know, they're they're all pre-trained with with a large amount of data. Such that you don't actually need to train it anymore to for it to uh, do right. uh, decently well. I mean, to me, it seems like you know what you just described. Obviously, traditional AI. I mean, that's not something I would <clears throat> generally have been a part of on the back end. I might have been the benefactor of it in business, and certainly I was. You know, at G two, we had a lot of algorithms we trained, and I didn't do that part, but I but I did do certainly make use of it, and and uh, and I think the other thing too is. Um, I'm able to interact with with uh, with ChatGPT and Perplexity, all the different you know types of tools in a natural way, which is different than what you describe as a data scientist who's going to go mm -hmm. and, and do things in the back end versus the, the versus the front end. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that makes sense. So so you know, obviously, when businesses invest in technology, um, you know, productivity is great, but they're also looking to increase revenue or increase profits. So, you know, in that context, um, is generative AI a help there or should should executives be thinking more around traditional or analytic AI, as you called it? Yeah, I think, you know, generative AI can help, but it's very indirect, you know, like, so it's, a, you know, it, you know, it, it can help you, you know, improve revenue or you know by basically freeing up your people's time right such mm -hmm. that they could do more revenue revenue uh generating uh, activity mm -hmm. you know so so that's you know how you can right uh improve revenue improve uh, profit profitability that way right but but it's indirect right so the the sure. main driver the main mechanism for roi um, of these generative AI is through efficiency, right? So you get productivity gain, efficiency gain, so that sure. you know uh, people could do more with less, right? And and that's actually uh, and what you know since they could do more with less, they they probably end up with like excess resources, excess time, right? right. Uh, and and you can use that to you know I, I don't know to 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 sell more <laughs> sell more stuff or, or or do things that that for your business that actually yeah. drive more. Um, profitability and revenue, right? So sure. so you can help indirectly. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So so that's I and and I mean obviously that makes sense to me. The 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 idea that, you know, if I can free up a salesperson's time from doing administrative things, they can sell more. If marketing can do more marketing, that's better generally anyway. Um, but but when we talk about like, you know, optimizing profits or or increasing revenue um, talk a bit about the traditional AI or analytic AI, as you call yeah. it. How how is that applied? And 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 also, I'm just curious. Like, does automation play a role in that too? Because I know that's obviously another area we haven't really talked about. Sure, I, I think you know there there are actually a lot of um, you know um, AI, you know, more the analytic AI that is designed specifically to optimize revenue. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so these are 
um, you know, basically, I would say like, you know, price optimization algorithms, sure. you know, revenue management uh, algorithms. So, so they are algorithms that, that are specifically designed to optimize either profit or revenue, right? So, so or even, or margin, if you want, uh, if right. that's what you care about more, right? So uh, depending on what industry you are, you know, some care more about revenue, some, you know, feel like in an airline, right, where, the, the cost is already sync, right? You already bought the plane. <laughs> and, and, and so you care about revenue, right? So, 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 but yeah, so you can actually optimize the profitability of your business, right? Directly, you know, so this is no more indirect, right? Basically I am directly optimizing the, the so these are, uh, so, so what are some of the lever, you know, like that business can, can pull to optimize the profitability of your business? And, and I think one of the, you know, there, there's actually many things that, that affects profitability, right? Sure. A lot of those are very indirect, right? For example, you could, I mean, you, you may think that a sales uh, people, um, you know, a sales efficiency, sales efficacy is is very directly related to um, profitability. And, and that's certainly true, right? I mean, if you have a more efficient, more effective sales team, mm -hmm. you're going to get more profitability and more revenue that way, right? Uh and you could say that you know, marketing does, you know, help help that as well, right? right, I mean, right. But again, you know, like, you, you, but you you can always you can always kind of go uh, a step kind of further removed, right? Marketing is is one step removed from sales, right? You right. can even build better product. Certainly, build building better product, you know, that customer love, right? It's you know, it's gonna. Uh, drive more profitability as well, right? But that's one more uh, step removed from from marketing, right? So sure. these are further upstream processes. So so the, the impact to uh, to revenue to 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 profitability it end up to be kind of kind of hard to quantify and, and actually you know mm -hmm. become very 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 small, right? Very um, sure because they're so far yeah this trickle down effect, right? And so far upstream, right? And but there's one driver that a lot of people often don't think about uh, that has a very, very direct impact on uh, revenue and profitability. And that's pricing, right? Mm -hmm. Because that's actually, you know, uh, not upstream from, but downstream <laughs> right. from sales. Like before you, the sales can even sell anything, you have to have a price, right? Because right. if you anything, you have to have a price. <laughs> You're going to sell me something, right? You better tell me what price it is. Otherwise, I, I'm not going to, you know, there, there's, there's no no way you can sell anything, right? So. So that uh, has very very direct impact on uh, revenue and, and profitability. So so basically, to maximize uh, revenue and profitability, you just have to optimize this price, right? And it's not always that you sell for higher price is better, right? Because you could easily kind of imagine a situation if you increase the price too much, then you lose customer, then you, right. And therefore, your total. Uh, revenue and profitability actually goes down, right? But if you actually lower the price too much, you know, then you you're actually you know leaving money on the table, and 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 you you don't mm -hmm. uh, you lose on profitability as well, right? So how do you find that optimal point, right? That's why it's called revenue, uh, you know, price optimization. That price need to be optimized, right, for revenue maximization or profit optimize maximization, right? So yeah, so so these are the type of algorithm that are specifically designed uh, to optimize uh, profitability.
Sure. And, and and what kind of data do you need to 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 apply that? And I mean, obviously that varies by industry, but uh, but m- maybe just take air, airlines a good example, right? Because we all know that prices are are hard to understand and they change a lot. How how what kind of data do they use to to actually drive that and get the algorithms to produce the, an effective price? Yeah, actually, uh, surprisingly, you don't need a lot to start. You know, like obviously the more data, the better, right? I mean, sure. so t- traditionally, you know, airline, you know, they they have historical, uh, you know, um, booking, you know, and, and sure. they have like the, the price on that. They have the availability, how many seats you have left and, and all mm-hmm. that stuff. So 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 that's, uh, I would say airlines actually a, a very uh, unique business in the sense that, you know, they actually are regulated. So they have to publish all their fares, right? So so there, the dynamic pricing of, of those seats for airline, it's is you know how can you dynamic dynamically price anything if you have to publish all the fares in advance, right? Basically, they just dynamically open and close the classes, right? Mm. Uh, so so that's what happened. So yeah. so anyway, that's uh. But if for most business, I would say that you know what you need is simply uh you know transaction historical transaction. Mm. Um, and all the attribute around the transaction and, and um, also the customer and the attributes of the customer and the, and the product, right? Basically, that's the, the three components that actually uh, comprises the actual transaction. You need a customer who, who buys a product, right? And then the transaction that, that, that links them together, right? But then, you know, having the customer, um, you know, just telling the name of a customer and name of a product usually is not enough. You need some attributes in mind. So this customer is a large customer in Europe in, or in the US and you know what type of customer, what industry they're in, how many employees they have, what's their revenue. So all these attributes of a customer and then a the product, right? What, what's this product? You know, what is this product for? What is it made of? And all this. Mm-hmm. So, so you could tell that, you know, these type of product typically sell to these type of customer, how much uh, do they typically pay for? And how can you optimize uh, that you know, uh, they, you know, what they, what they traditionally pay for, uh, may not be optimal. Right. So, so right. knowing that what they, what they are able to traditionally, uh, willing to pay is, is just a start, right. After you know what they traditionally willing to pay, then you need to slowly kind of, sh- uh, I would say nudge that, that price toward the optimal, <laughs> whether it's up or down, maybe traditionally you charge too much, right. You right. need to go down a little bit. Right. And, and actually gain more uh, volume and customer that way, right? Maybe mm-hmm. um, maybe you charge too little, right? You have you need to increase it, right? So so you need to um, optimize it that way. So yeah. So so it does sound like there's a lot of automation involved in this. Then so you're 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 collecting data, you're you're making some offer or some pricing decisions, but that's not all human uh, as, uh, intervention when it comes to that, right? I mean, there's a lot of automation yep. that's in use, yeah. Well, I mean, you. Uh, I don't think a human can 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 do this. You know, they're not fast <laughs> enough. I, mean, I, I think traditionally, um, you know, a pricer, you know, could look at some data stream coming in, and then they will you will they will have to price for every single product for every single customer, right? And and that's actually think about this. If you have a you know just say a thousand product that you want to sell, which is actually not that. You know, far fetched. You know, many business have have thousands of, and you probably have you know thousands of customers. You there, you know, you already have combination of a a, a million price combination, right? 
and and that's actually every product for every customer. You have to you have to you have, you have to have the price, right? Because otherwise, right. you know, even if a customer, uh, a particular customer, never bought this product before, and they probably will never buy it, right? You still need to have it just in case they may want to buy it. <laughs> this particular customer may one day buy this product, right? Which you never know. And this is actually sure. so you have to price it. So you have to have all these. Uh, price customer combination, right? Mm -hmm. And that's actually uh, a lot that, that you need to price to analyze, to, to optimize, right? For yeah. analysts, right? So, um, so now you can actually do this through these type of, uh, you know, uh, you know, pricing AI, you know, AI based pricing that is, a, is which is a, actually a, a class one is one type of analytic AI, right? And uh, mm. more traditional AI, not the non-generative AI that actually uh, help you automate a lot of these calculation and optimization, sure. yeah. So we talk about generative AI and we and we talk about analytic AI or traditional AI. So how do those work together in this scenario? I mean, is there is there a role for generative AI in this uh, optimization as well? Uh, not in the direct role of optimization, right? But I mean, the optimization is actually done with another mm -hmm. uh, the analytic AI, that the, the AI pricing algorithm that I mentioned. Sure. But it doesn't mean that they can't work together with them, right? I mean, you, you can think of it, you know, the best way to think of it is that, you know, these generative AI, they are, you could think of them as, as almost like a, a conversational user interface, yeah. right? So you can, um, ask a question to this generative AI, right? And then the generative AI actually, even if it doesn't know it, that it can actually go call another algorithm mm -hmm. to get the answer, right? Sure. Just as, you know, uh, Google search or Bing search, you know, they, um, if you actually ask it something that it, it, it you know, it, this generative AI doesn't know, like say something that just happened, right? Right now, right? It, does, it just happened uh, a few couple of minutes ago, right? If you ask it, if you actually go into your uh, ChatGPT and ask it, it probably won't know. You know most likely, you would say like, "I won't know what I don't know what happened. My training stopped at a certain time in mm -hmm. April, you know, 2023, and and I don't know anything happened after that, right?" And then, but it doesn't have to answer that question for you directly, right? It can actually ask, uh, call another algorithm, the plain old search. Uh, algorithm that's mm -hmm. provided by Bing or, or Google, right? Perfect. And then go search the web and see what happened, mm -hmm. right? And then, uh, you know, we get those documents, those, uh, you know, results, pages back, and then give it to a generative AI, and the generative AI can it simply act as a summarization engine, sure. right? Yeah. So, so that's, you could think of it. So this is actually how uh, this generative AI seems so smart, but it's really just a conversational user interface that uh, you know in, that connects the user to a lot of I would say very complex uh, algorithm behind it that's doing mm -hmm. the heavy lifting, right? The Plano search and the Plano Bing um, or Google is actually doing the heavy lifting of, of searching for the the, the mm -hmm. right documents, and it's simply giving it to this generative AI sure. to have it summarize and present the result back in a in a very friendly. Uh, understandable mm -hmm. way, concise way, right? So, um, so yeah. similarly, right? I mean, if you ask a generative AI, right? You know, what's the price? How should I price this product for this particular customer, right? This, you know, it, it's not going to know. It, it, it will know something general, right? Of these 
product generally sell for this price, maybe like but this particular product for this particular customer, right? At this particular time, right? Mm. That specificity, right, is something that the generative AI will not have. Right. They, sure. they they simply cannot give you that the answer. Right. Yeah. And but again, you could do similar thing, just like we did with uh, you know, this uh, retrieval augmented generation with, with Google and Bing, right? Where you actually call search to 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 get the results back, right? But instead of calling the search, you are calling these uh, AI pricing algorithms such as those mm -hmm. that pros uh, produce, right? And then actually get the optimal price back for this particular customer, mm -hmm. this particular product at this particular time, and you know at this particular context, right? Even mm -hmm. you know because with all that you know um, transaction attributes, right? You could even get it for this particular context, right? Maybe if you sure. buy online, you know, if, versus if you call someone, is a different price, right? So so but. For this particular contact, you would actually, you know, it's best to actually sell them at, at this particular price. Sure. Right? So, so, yeah. So, so that's like yeah. a virtual assistant sort of approach. Like, it, like I would have a, a pricing assistant and I could just ask for the price. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, the, the generative AI essentially can work with these, you know, uh, you know, uh, pricing optimization uh, type mm -hmm. of AI, right? Uh, as you know, it, as essentially, it's one of the toolbox that you can call, right? When you when, sure. when you involve very specific pricing optimization question that it doesn't know, then you should just call this type of AI, and you could use it as a plugin or something like that, right? So uh, sure, so. yeah, that makes sense. So so when when companies are doing this, when they're when they're setting up this type of, of optimization system. What what are some of the challenges um, that you've seen them you know deal with and and also you know what are the what are the limitations of the of those types of systems for for the uh, business? Yeah, I think a lot of companies you know like you know especially you know traditional companies they're not very good at keeping their data uh, clean and available <laughs> yeah. right so yeah so I think you know first obviously you know so again like the unlike generative AI which is pre-trained, right? right? These analytic AI requires training. So what that means is that it requires data to train them. So it's just that the mm -hmm. pricing is specific to you, the product that you offer and your customer, right? So right. another company for that similar product for a similar customer, maybe a completely different thing, right? But for yep. you, uh, you price them uh, very differently from uh, very specifically. So, so, so it needs to be trained, right? So mm -hmm. as a result, it needs those data. Right. So, so getting those all those data together, uh, sometimes it could be challenging for for some companies. Yeah. Uh, but I think companies are getting better and better at doing this. And, uh, and we even uh, built tools, uh, you know, uh, to help company kind of actually, um, you know, if you just give us the invoice, you know, we can actually extract all the all the data points that that we needed. And then, mm -hmm. so so these are uh, tools that that we have built to help. Uh, alleviated this problem of coming having the companies, you know, it's your your data, so you come out with all the data, right? We just help you optimize the price, and, and that's it, right. We even help them uh, get some of the data if they have some other forms of data that they have. I mean, you have obviously in, for business for auditing, you have to have you know invoice and everything, right? So you have to have that, right? So so that's something that we taking something that everybody has, and you can actually extract the customer. Mm -hmm. And their attribute, the the, the product, and, and the attribute, and um, mm. and the transaction attribute as well, right? So, 
Yeah. I mean, that that's, uh, that's obviously a, a problem that we've looked at in a lot of different contexts around customer data, for example. And that's that's been a challenge for businesses for a long time. Although, you know, with things like, you know, customer data platforms and that sort of thing, it is getting better. So I would assume that's a big uh, improvement for uh, use in those types of situations, having, you know, a nice, more organized, clean data set for the customer, at least. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they would just, you know, have faster, you know, uh, time to value, basically. And if you have all of it here ready, then, you know, we just train it and then the model is yeah. ready to go and you deploy it and then it's, you realize value right away, right? So uh, sure. if we have to clean, then, then it just takes longer, right? So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. So we talked about a lot of different pieces here, and I, I'd love to just to make this a bit more real. Do you have some examples of where you know where you've done this in a business, and kind of how this was implemented and how it's working for them? Well, I mean, there's actually a lot. I mean, we, <laughs> um, I mean that that's the business approach. I mean, basically, we have. Um, Many many customer coming to us reporting, um, you know, basically uh, several percentage uh, improvement in terms of their revenue, revenue lift, or margin improvement. Right. So all these are um, very tangible gain. I mean, it, it few percent, you know, revenue lift may be you know small, yeah. but it's actually huge, right? I mean, if you think about like this, many marketing. Um, you know, uh, efforts, right? You know, if you get like, I don't know, 80% conversion or something like that, that's, that's great, but it still may not move the needle at all, right? So we are actually moved because, like I said, you know, because these are many of these uh, efforts, right? So sales, marketing, and even product uh, innovation, right? So these are further kind of upstream, right? They're, they're, they're not, they don't have a direct impact. On revenue, mm -hmm. right? You may do a lot, but then you, you you still move the needle very tiny bit. Right? It's very hard to move that needle, right? But pricing actually is the direct have a direct impact on revenue and profitability, right? So so you can actually move the needle, even though it's very you know only a few percentage, but that's actually huge. That's actually more effective than you know uh, mm -hmm. sometimes a, a you know like a, I don't know eighty percent you know marketing conversion rate or something whatever. Something sounds really amazing, but yeah. you know. When it comes to actual revenue that is driving, it's actually um, not moving the needle that much, you know. But yeah. but here, because pricing has such a direct impact on profitability, you know, a few percentages is actually uh, uh, mm. very very significant, right? So, yeah. and we we actually you know did a, a study an ROI analysis of all of the customer who have self-reported their ROI to us, you know, basically mm -hmm. they. We didn't do any make build any model or anything. These are just our customer coming to us and telling us, "Hey, you know, you're using your software. We realize, you know, some ROI. You know, like whether it's yeah. revenue revenue lift or, or, or margin improvement, right? So we we collected all this data together. From uh, we have 130 customer who actually, you know, self. We we did not even ask them, you know, or anything solicit them. So they told told us that, you know. So, uh, so basically, there um, we collected these data together and 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 mm. basically summarize it. And and on average, you know, people could could realize on um, about three percent revenue improvement, right? Mm. And as much as twenty percent, which is like wow. 
huge, right? I mean, just yeah. like yeah. It's a, a margin improvement, yeah, can can be as much as five percent, you know. So, wow. so, so these are like you know very very uh, significant numbers, right? Yeah, and another, no, that's very significant. Yeah, very significant, and and I think the, you know, uh, other I would say because it involves such a you know you know I should mention before automation as well, right? Because mm-hmm. you know pricing, you know, you no longer have, I mean, humans are in the loop, but then they're no longer doing the, the bulk of the work, right? The AI is right. actually doing the heavy lifting. They may want to make sure this price is not ridiculous or, or something before it actually goes out, but, you know, as a kind of checking uh, validation uh, stage, but but these are, um, I would say, rather small amount, of, you know, they're, they're not that big, of, not, not a lot of work, you know, so yeah. they also realize a lot of efficiency gain as well. And a lot of our customer, you know, um, also came to us, you know, self-reported, you know, huge efficiency gain, right? Some actually, mm-hmm. on average, you know, these efficiency gain can be, you know, about 70% efficiency gain, right? And then as much as like, you know, 95, 96% efficiency gain, which is like uh, huge, right? Wow. So, Yeah. Yeah, that that's that's significant, and and I mean it, it does make a lot of sense to me too that you know you can you can certainly increase marketing qualified leads to sales qualified leads, but if the pricing's all messed up, you never go beyond the sales qualified lead to a, to an actual deal, then that has no impact whatsoever on your business or very little. Yeah, exactly. So that, that's logical. Um, well, Michael, that's uh, that's actually all the time we have today. Although I I could definitely keep going. Um, I really appreciate you joining me today. The the one thing that I um, always ask guests before they leave, though, is, you know, could you recommend someone like a thought leader, an author, some other mentor that's influenced your career that you think would be beneficial for the audience? Well, I mean, <laughs> for me personally, I mean, I I, uh, I would say like Jan LeCun, you know, he mm-hmm. is, you know, um, the recipient of the Turing Award. Right. Uh, which is the equivalent of the Nobel Prize for computer science, right? And and uh, because there's no computer science no Nobel Prize, right? Um, so the Turing Award is essentially viewed as that. And and I think you know he he's uh, actually had a big impact on 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 me actually in my graduate study as well. I was I started reading his paper when I was a graduate student, and he is actually the the pioneer who essentially invented uh, deep neural network. Which is powers mm-hmm. all the, you know, ChatGPT, you know, all the, uh, you know, all the all the generative AI, you know, pretty much in, in right. every type of AI today, right? You, you know, deep neural network is is a tool that that is you know indispensable. It's, it's, it's something that everybody uses, right? And and he's the um, uh, essentially the the founding kind of pioneer who developed that, right? Despite the fact that a lot of the Back in those days, um, the scientific community, the mathematician and, and you know um, statistician, uh, statistician uh, community, actually you know didn't quite believe that it's going to work. You know, and, and there, right. yeah. But he 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 and a, and a few and, a, and two other right. So Jan LeCun, Jeffrey uh, Hinton, and Joshua Benjo. So those are the three um, Turing Award recipients of 2018 for developing. Uh, inventing and developing the the deep neural network, right? So so sure. they so that's uh, yeah those, those are the people that I, for me you know I, I will recommend. But yeah, yeah. So. yeah, no no great recommendation. Thank thanks. I really appreciate it. 
And and again, thank you so much for joining today. Very informative. And I know the audience really going to appreciate the insights that you shared. So thank you very much. Thank you for the opportunity. And that's the show for this week. Thank you all for joining. Remember to hit that subscribe button. And for more on AI and other software research reports and posts, check out the arianresearch.com slash blog and slash research reports. And don't forget to join us next week. I'm Michael Fawcett, and this is the Disambiguation Podcast.